0: But let me, let me talk to you about what we're going to talk today. I want to talk to you about, about the, found, the victorious foundation we have in Christ. is really found in the principle that we are reborn with a mission. Now, I'll give you my tra- three points ahead of time. There's no PowerPoint, so if you want to write them down. Um, is purity. Okay? There's purpose. and There's power. And for that, we're going to go to the book of 1 Peter. Uh, We're going to find 1 Peter. I had it marked, and I lost it here in just a minute. When we get to 1 Peter, we're going to go to chapter 1, verse 22. First Peter chapter one verse twenty-two. Since you have been purified, since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth, so that you show sincere, brotherly love for one another, from a pure heart, love, pure heart, love one another consta- constantly, because you have been born again. Now, not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. We're going to stop there for just a second. You know, if you come to my house and you come into my garage, which is probably a hazardous place to walk in because that's the catch of all things right now. Especially in the winter, you want to hide things from the snow, you just shove it into the garage. But in there, there is a 1981 GS750E Suzuki motorcycle I got that from a friend it was you know and it was a great deal and the reason I got it for a great deal because he wasn't running and his wife said after five years of taking spot in their small garage pass it on to another guy so I got it and I decided that was going to be my therapy during COVID and it's not a big deal it was I Figure it's just clogged carburetors. If you know anything, it's just carburetors, process the gasoline, to make the engine go vroom. And took those carburetors out and spent some time, refresher, how to do it. I, I used to have motorcycle in college. I took it apart, took the pieces off, washed every carburetor. Had to do that like four times before I got it right. But finally got it right. And then I did something without thinking. I plugged the wrong cable to the wrong terminal and there was a spark and a little bit of smoke coming out from the engine. Now I work, I had done some in, uh, electronic stuff and in, in media and I know when there's smoke coming out of electronics, especially little blue smoke, that's a really bad sign. So I would put my, didn't pay much attention, rebuild it all put together, start Going and I will hear the engine coming to life, but it will not stay on. Well, what happened is there's this itty bitty small box in this motorcycle. that's called the spark generator. It generates the spark. And every time you start it, there's a little bit of electricity that passes through this small circuitry board, you know, that it just sends a spark to the cylinders and it makes the engine go vroom. Right? And it just makes you feel powerful. But without it, just go, and that's it. Itty bitty box that keeps this engine from coming alive. One of the things is that there's something really basic that is a basic problem that we have as human beings. And it's not the fact that we don't have that capacity. It's not the fact that we don't have the ability to do good and to transform the world. The problem is that, that we are dead because of something itty bitty they call sin that doesn't let the life God make the engine come alive for God. You can have all the coverers clean. You can have the the brakes ready to go. You can have clean everything, you know, get the cylinders going, put new spark plugs, new wires by when there's still sin in there when it's, it doesn't pass the power and it can look great and it can look fun, but you ain't going to have any fun with it until that that box comes back to life. It's completely dead. We live in a time where there's so many philosophies going around what, what is wrong with humanity. Some say, as as Joe said, if you change our social circumstances, if we change the the community where we live, if we solve some basic problems, we're going to flourish like the great cultures of the past, and we're going to be great, and everybody will be happy, and everybody will have peace. The, The problem is that the Bible does not tell us that we are sick. The Bible does not tell us that there's just a little defect or or we just need a tune-up. The Bible tells us that we are dead. We are dead. And therefore, we need to be made alive again. Paul talks to the church of Ephesians and says it very clear where he says in chapter 2, you know, you used to be dead in your transgressions the problem that we have is not that we don't have equality that's a problem the problem that we have is not that there's hate that is a problem the problem is that we are dead and the solution to death is not medicine is not to vitamins if you're dead, there's nothing to do. There has to be a radical transformation. There has to be a, being, a rebirth. There has something to come back to life. You have to change the nature of the state for the state to change. I need to stop being dead. And that is what's, what's going on in our city today. Our mission as the church, as those that have been redeemed by Christ, is not to make a better world for people. It, that will be too easy. If that will solve an issue, that would be great, but that doesn't solve anything. Our job is to bring people to the life-giving knowledge of Jesus Christ. but we live in a time that we have redefined language. We we live in a time where we want to even redefine God and faith. Love what our pastor this morning said, guest speaker, right? You can call yourself gospel-centric all you want, but if you're not preaching the gospel, then you're not gospel-centric. A few months ago, my wife, Karina, she's, she's really the more, when it comes to uh, sanctification, she's way ahead of me. She's, she said to me, you know, Josue, I just realized just down on me that sometimes in a Christian world, we have made an idol of the word gospel. We use the word gospel for everything. The power of the gospel, the the life-changing gospel. And we don't talk about what the gospel is sometimes. Or many times. And the gospel is very simple. It's called good news. There's good news because it's a bad situation. The bad situation is that without Christ, we are dead. The good news is that God, while we were still sinners, sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us. That is the good news. If we want to see the world change for Christ, we need to start realizing that the the need the world has is the need to be reborn again. And the only way to be reborn again will not be through good works, neither ours nor theirs. It's only through the redemptive power of Jesus Christ at the cross and over the tomb. And they need to hear that. And when you and I became believers, do you remember that day? Do you remember the day when it dawned on you that you were no longer the same person? My mother tells me I accepted Christ at five. I remember accepting him at eight. And I remember, I don't know how old I was, nine, late nineties. I'm in uh, Colorado Springs at the Navigators Center. I'm there for a holiness and evangelism conference. I remember my mother saying, Josue, do you want to go to Colorado Springs? I'm in my junior year in college and having a great time away from home. And I said, sure, never been to Colorado, let's go. Little did I know that God was going to meet me there in an isolation place, beautiful Rocky Mountains, by myself and say, let's talk about your sin and your lack of purity, Josue. And I remember sitting there on a rock and just realizing that While I had accepted Christ, I had not been living the, the life of purity that he had called me to live. The reborn life, the mission of the reborn life begins with living the purity. Sometimes we call it holiness. Sometimes we call it sanctification, right? The process by which we become more like Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that day in Colorado Springs, at that conference center, sitting on that rock, looking at the beautiful creation, realizing how much I needed of Jesus. And even though I knew him, he wanted to change me. And from that that day on, I knew I I would not be able to sit in the pews for much longer. Not because that made me better, it's because I realized my life doesn't belong to me. And i want to live a pure life for you jesus and that's what peter is talking about he's talking to this to the hebrews believers who have been dispersed throughout they're no longer living in jerusalem the book of first peter is beautiful you should read it if you have it and he says you know you're living in purity keep living in purity because that is what you've been called since you were reborn again. And that purity is going to come through love. And, and that gives us not only the way we are supposed to live is in purity, different from the world, not doing the things we used to do. Paul reminds the church, you used to be like those know, that do not know God. He used the word Gentiles. Well, we are Gentiles, but now we are children of God. So he's not talking about us. Talking about how we used to live before we became the sons of God, right? We put that in the back. That's what we have been reborn. That's the mission to live for Him. The purpose. It then comes when Jesus sends His disciples out, and we read that in the book of Matthew, chapter ten where he says, I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. I'm commissioning you, he's commissioning his 12 disciples, I'm sending you to very difficult place to be witnesses for me. And when you get in trouble, do not worry about what you're going to say because I will give you the words to say since you're not speaking for yourselves, you're speaking for God. The crisis that we're facing as a church, and I'm talking of universal church, but I'm sure here as well, is that we live in a world where you, where we're intimidated to speak the truth of God. Where we get intimidated to tell somebody, this is truth, and it doesn't change. And, and we have, the culture has redefined terms like tolerance, The biblical concept of tolerance says that I, I can sit with you at the table even though we disagree in how to live and what we believe and I can see it and still respect you because you're the image bearer of God and we can talk and I won't think any less of you because I was once one of you. But no, now tolerance totally means something different. It means You had to accept as somebody else's belief just as authentic and as legitimate as yours and celebrate them. And then we have redefined truth when as Christianity, we know that this is true, right? The truth of who God is, who we are, and what he wants from us. We live in a world with a moral compass. Instead of pointing true north, it's like Captain Jack Sparrow's compass. I don't know if you watched the movie, don't take any less of me because I watch all of them. My son loves Paris. he wears the Paris hat every time he goes to camp. But because of the movie, but this compass, he has a compass. Jack, Captain Jack Sparrow has this compass that doesn't point to true north. He points to what his heart, desires most. Doesn't that sound like today? We, we, we adjust our moral compass to, to go in the direction that we want more, that our heart's desires. I want to live the way I want to live. I want to determine everything. I cannot define who I am instead of pointing to true north. And when we have, as Christians, we believe that scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, all the way through, they pointed us to the true God. that tells that reality of who we are and what our need is. It doesn't answer every question, but every question that it answers, it answers with the truth. And therefore, we can lose our purpose of being witnesses. Right? The book of Acts, chapter one. But you will receive power when it comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and you will be what? Witnesses. Witnesses. The purpose of my life is not to fix everybody's problems. Trust me, I had I have been there. I love the Salvation Army ministry because I, I, my father grew up, and i probably share this before, before. My father grew up in a Southeastern Albert children's home in Mexico City. And a missionary lady by the name of Billie Jean Armand gave a single woman, she, a single white woman, gave her life to go live in Mexico City for how how long. And she gave her life for those children. One of those was my father. He's my father. And his brothers, and they came, and he, my father, became came to know the Lord, and he became a pastor, and then he became a, a Salvation Army children's home director, where I grew up. I had lived in that in that environment. I had seen good works being done. Then I myself served as a Salvation Army officer for six years in the city, done that, paid the rent for people, gave hundreds thousands of Christmas gifts, setting out wonderful things that makes you feel good. And at the end of the day, I didn't bring many souls to Jesus. And I'm not saying that that is a waste of time. It needs to be done. All I'm saying is that if it's not done with the preaching of the gospel, the giving of the water in the name of Jesus brings glory to him. But if we don't share in our witnesses why we're doing it, it doesn't bring any benefit to the recipient. That's why I'm hesitant about this whole social justice thing. Not because we shouldn't fight for justice. We should, we should care about justice. But we should be understand that we need to bring justice the way that Jesus brings justice. You think about his ministry, how many people that he brought out of poverty know not many but he was with the poor he was with them and he loved them and he gave them grace right i'm a little hesitant when we think that we're going to save the world by making the world better because it's not making the world better that's going to save the world it's going to be jesus the gospel go yes go be with the poor I was one of the biggest blessings I had. It was a state-built penitentiary where my job was to go in every week to do a Bible study with uh, inmates They were in life sentence inmates. They weren't going anywhere. And here and my faith was always encouraged. It became my favorite day of the week. Even though the first time I went, it was pretty scary. When you go to state-built penitentiary, they, they take your picture. They create an FBI file for me, not because it did anything, but because it did something good. And you walk through what used to be the gas chamber. You feel the darkness. And, but once I was in the classroom, all these men will come out. And they were excited that you were there. They know that they weren't going anywhere. But they were excited that you were there, and they were going to talk about the Word of God. They were behind bars, and yet they were free. And I would come home put to shame many times because my faith was so weak. There were men that would say, Pastor, you know, I had this new, uh, that's what they call their, their roommate, the person that share." said he was possessed or something. He told me if I keep praying, he's going to stab me. He even showed me how he's going to do it. I kept on praying. like, wow. Talk about a reborn life with a new, with a desire to live purity and with a purpose to say, to glorify God even if he's behind bars. And I'm not sharing sure that to, to make us feel better, but I shared that to you about the power of the redeemed life. It, it wasn't a, uh, the correctional system that changed this man's life, this brother in Christ, it was Jesus. who met him right there where he was. My job wasn't to set him free of his cell. My job was to bring the gospel that set him free of his sin. And you know why we can do this? Because the power of the Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus said, don't worry about what you say. I'm going to speak through you. There's, when we think about missions, or missionaries, we think about those people that, that go across the world, right? And they, we should support and We support missionaries ourselves. Independent from the church, we send a little check to a, to a friend of ours. And we want to do this, and we need to continue to do that. But let me tell you, you have been called to be a missionary here. You want to know how big ministries got started? There was a man by the name of William Booth talking about my, my background. I live still here. William Booth walking in the streets of London. He's, he looks underneath a bridge where there was some people sleeping there, homeless. He turns to, to his son, Branwell and says, hey, do something. Social services began under the order, do something. The reason that William Booth started, he didn't want to start a Salvation Army. He wanted to to just bring people to the Methodist Church. But there was a problem. The Methodist Church didn't want that kind of people because they were getting saved at the the bar on Saturday and coming to church on on Sunday morning. Didn't look that great, and the church wasn't ready for that. So he took him, he rented the bar, the same bar where they got saved and started having meetings, and that's how it began. The old Moody comes to the city of Chicago. You know that he didn't want to start a school. Emma Dreyer, he's the one that had to convince him to start a school. He comes in and starts a church, a Sunday school with the kids where he has to bribe them with candy and pony rides and where the the pews, I'm told, they used to have to be rented. He said, it's free for everybody. And that's why outside the church, a big sign that "Ever welcome here, right? So, the poor and the children, everybody's welcome here. Because he saw a need. I don't think he envisioned a building like this, he just saw a need. And these were not the most educated people. Have you ever, if you ever get to visit the library at Moody, uh, Moody Bible Institute, there's some letters written by D.L. Moody. Try to read it. You can't read it. they they has to there's an expert they can actually have to study his words his handwriting to try to figure out what in the world he was trying to read to write down and yet, yet through the power of the holy spirit look where we are they would never call themselves missionaries they just call themselves followers of jesus who were reborn again to live pure life set apart for god Different than the world. You and I need to live different than the world. Different values. We we have a mission and a new purpose to be to tell people what God has done for us. What God done for your family. Just tell them this is what Jesus saved me from. I used to be this way, and now I am different. And then finally embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. And and it's not a mystical thing. It's, it's not the that you had to speak in tongues. It's not that you had to feel that energetic. I mean, sometimes I worship and I can feel the rhythm and I'm tapping my foot and looking around, hoping nobody bothers by the tapping of my foot. Actually, that was my main complaint. Tim is not here, so I can say this. When I first got come here, I came from a very lively Hispanic background, you know, yeah, a lot of rhythm. <laughs> Right. Well, maybe not sophisticated, but fun. And I come in, there's this glorious, different music. And I, and I remember telling my wife, this is going to take some used to. It's going to be different. But the Word, I mean, just the preaching of the Word just got my heart and said, this is our place. There's different preferences. But the power is not about that. It's, not, it's neither this, you know, Claim it, name it, and frame it. Faith. Jesus is not in that business of, of giving, you know, fulfilling wishes. He's in the business of changing dead bodies into life, living souls. So when you think of missions, the foundation, the most foundational victory is that you have been made alive to live. A life that honors him through your purity, loving one another. That gives you a purpose in life. That you, you can have a purpose. You don't have to be, you know, a superstar. But when you get to heaven, you'll be surprised of those that get rewarded and those that don't. We want to bring people to the feet of Jesus. We want to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, not yours. You'll be amazed when you just surrender to Jesus and you say, okay, use me however you want. That's my story. I'll wrap up with this. I remember coming in and graduating from Moody Bible Institute, Seminary, the seminary there, and telling the Lord, okay, Lord, I got my education. Let's go. Where are we going? Texas, Florida, anywhere warmer. Let's go. Nobody wanted me. And I say, what's wrong with me, Lord, really? I mean, what is it you want me to do? What do I have to do better? Let's work on it. And I remember getting to the point and said, the spirit just moving and said, just surrender. So I did. And I remember telling the Lord, God, I'm done giving you suggestions what to do with my life. Here it is. You said. If you want me to sit and encourage the brother, let me just do that. that. Help me be okay with that. And in time, the Lord opened a door, and I'm a vocational pastor, which means I have a full-time job, and then I have a fun job, which is working at the church. And people have asked me, "Someone in Congress, don't you want to be full-time?" And I say, "I don't want to be anything that the Lord doesn't want me to be. He knows me very well. He knows that when that, that I can get distracted, and somehow keeping me busy keeps me focused and humble." And joyful. And that's my story. But maybe God wants to use you in a different way today. Maybe God wants to take you out of your conference and send you across the world. That, that's great. Maybe God wants you to get you out of conference zone and talk to your neighbor. Say, can we have coffee? Can I tell you my story? Or oh, more important, tell me your story. And let and hear, let the Holy Spirit show you. Surrender to Him. Live the reborn life because you have been reborn with a mission. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are at the conclusion of our funders' um, week uh, conference. We, remi- we remember this victorious foundation that we stand. Not a victory that we, that we have earned, Lord, but a victory that you have earned. And God, that you have compassion on us to the point of making a path back to you. And not only that, by giving us a purpose to be witnesses of your great power so that others may know and to experience that reality will your power through us. Lord, I pray that your words today, your word, your spirit, will move in us. Give us a new passion for you. Just give us, give us a new insight of what you want to do with us. Lord, forgive us if when we get sucked in into the schemes of this world, help us to see beyond those, not to be blinded or to be confused, but to see with clarity with what you see. Give us your eyes. Lord, we want to live as those that have been indwelled by your Holy Spirit, those that want with purity, purpose, and power to bring you glory for now and eternity. In the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we give you all praise and glory. Amen.